Yeah, thank you, Cal. If you brought your copy of God's Word, please turn to Psalm 126. Several passages I'll be sharing from this morning, but this will be our text. I'll read from that in just a few minutes. Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity now we've had to worship you in our singing and now to open your word. And we pray now that you'll speak to our hearts. Allow your Holy Spirit, Father, to take your word and apply it to our lives. Father, we pray, Lord, for our service. We pray, Lord, that We'll remove all thoughts except begin to focus our thoughts and our mind upon you. Nothing in our heart or mind would hinder this worship service. We pray, Lord, that you would just put a hedge around your people. And, Lord, that we can learn of you without any disruptions. And, Father, as we allow your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for what you're going to do during this service. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin by asking you just a simple question. What do you feel up to now has been the most important day of your life? What do you feel up until now has been the most important day of your life? You say, well, Brother Sammy, I believe it was the day I was born. Well, let's just go on past that. After that day, what do you believe since the day you were born up until now has been the most important day of your life? Some would say, well, it was a real important day when I finished high school or when I uh, finished college or when I, you know, I got my first job or I met my wife-to-be or it was the day I was married or it was the birth of our first child, it was the birth of our children, it's the first job I ever got. The list goes on and on. The most important day in your life was the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I'm assuming by making that statement is that you have. The most important day in your life was the day that you trusted Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. The reason for that is that day changed your life forever, here and in eternity. Now, the full significance of that decision will not be really completely realized until you live your last day here and then cross from this life into the next life into heaven. So the most important day of your life is when you trusted Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, assuming that you have made that decision. Now, out of all of your decisions, there have been many, out of all of your decisions, that one is the most important, it is the most vital. Now, with that being said, that's the most important day in your life. What is the most important work in your life? What's the most important work in, 
in your life. What's the most important work? I'll go step further and say, what is the most important work in the world? And you begin to think about all of these vocations. You say, well, a doctor's work is important. Surgeon's work is important. The scientist, aerospace engineer, teachers are important. Nurses are important. A homemaker is important. A factory worker that produces merchandise is important. Truck driver that takes the merchandise to the general store is important. The farmer is important. He produces the food that we eat. Law enforcement is important. The list goes on and on and on and on. All of these things are important, but they're not the most important work that's in the world. The most important work in all the world is bringing others to Jesus Christ. Most important. Now first, it's important because this is the work that Jesus came to do. Jesus said himself that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. That's why he left his throne in glory. That's why he became in the likeness of man. That's why he came from heaven to earth. That's why the Bible says in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why we have the incarnation of Christ. Christ in the flesh. That's why He came to do His work. The most important work in the world is bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bar none. It's the work that Jesus came to do. It's important. Secondly, it's important because it's the business that He has given those who are saved to do. That's why it's important. Matthew chapter 28. Listen to God's Word. Matthew 28. We'll come back to Psalm 126 in a few minutes. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Verse 19. Verse 20 says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all way, even to the end of the world. So the most important day is when I got saved. The most important work is bringing people to Christ. It was the most important work for Christ. It's the most important work for the whole world. He left a commission to the church to go out and tell people about the saving knowledge of the gospel. Now, I have a member here and a preacher share something to me years ago. He was making a visit and sharing the gospel, and he asked this person, he said this, he said, uh, have you ever asked Christ to come into your life and save you? The guy said, that's none of your business. And my preacher friend said, oh, said, oh yes. That's what my business is all about. It is my business. That's what I've been left here to do, is to share with you how you can come to know Christ if you don't know Christ. Friend, listen, that's our business. Individually, as Christians, and then as a church. It's our business, it's our work to tell other people about Jesus. Now, when we think of it's our business as Christians, then some of us begin to make excuse about doing that. We'll be saying things like, well, I'm not qualified to do that, 
Or I'm afraid that I wouldn't know what to say if I went up to someone. Or I'm not trained to do that. And we begin to make excuses. Now, here's what you need in order to be a witness for Jesus Christ. This is all you need. You need to have a desire. You need to have a burden. You need to have some simple knowledge of the Scripture. And you need to have a reliance on the help of the Holy Spirit. That's all you need. Let me mention that again. A desire, a burden, some simple knowledge of the Scripture, and a reliance on the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a fact that kind of startled me. Eighty percent of all Christians never witness to anyone about their faith before they die. On the back of your bulletin, we put a little fact that says 61% have not shared their faith in the past month. And then 20% rarely or has never prayed for people who have never trusted Jesus Christ. That's startling to me. But to know that 80% of Christians will die before they share or will die and have never shared their faith with anyone. Now with that in mind, I want to share with you a sermon that I just simply entitled, The Business That Brings Blessings. The Business That Brings Blessings. Look at 126, Psalm 126, and we'll look at verse 6. Psalm 126, verse 6, simply says this, He that goeth forth and weepeth, Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The business that brings blessings. Now pay real close attention to Psalm 126 verse 6 because this verse is, is simple, but yet it's profound because it offers an outline. It offers a formula for witnessing. I'm going to share that with you real quick. Number one, the formula for witnessing, you know, the, the, the business that brings blessings. In order to have blessings from the business of witnessing, from our job of witnessing, first of all, he that goeth forth. That's what the passage says. He that goeth forth. Now, there is no greater plan for evangelism than he that goeth forth. The first step in evangelism is going out. That's the first step. The first step of evangelism is going out and looking for those that need to know Christ. 31 years ago, our church committed itself to, to seriously seek to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, the tornado has hindered us to some degree in our evangelism training. However, the people of God must continue to go out to seek and to save. Now, many have never witnessed. And the reason they've never witnessed is because they've never gone out. We can never win the lost from our den or from our living rooms. 
we have to go out. We have to take time to go out. Now, the past three years have been difficult at Mountain View Baptist Church. I really need your prayers. I need you to be patient with me as a pastor as I seek to kind of reorganize our ministries, including our outreach ministry. However, until that happens, find people in your own circle of friends, family, neighbors, classmates who need to know Christ. Don't say, well, we don't have an outreach program going on at the church yet. You can still continue. I still can continue to reach people with the gospel simply by saying, I'm going to share the gospel with one person today. Lord, put that person in my path. And friend, listen, the whole point is this. In order to reach people, he that goeth forth, we must go out. And so before we can achieve a blessing in our work of soul winning, first step is that we have to go out. Now notice that the command is given to God's people. Go out. You might make a little note of this. The command is never given for the lost, for the unsaved. The command is never given for the unsaved to go out and find a church and hear the gospel. Some churches have an attitude, well, here we are, and they're lost out there, and we're in here, and if they want to come to church, we're here, and and we'll be glad to have them, and so all they need to do is just come. The instructions is not for the lost to go out and find a church, but for the church to go out and find the lost. That's our instructions. The command is always for the saved to go out, find the lost, to hear the gospel. And we need to go out, let me say this, we need to go out quickly. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, a familiar passage of Scripture, no doubt. We'll begin reading with verse 15. Luke 14, verse 15. Luke 14, verse 15. And one of them said it, meet with him, heard these things. He said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is he that goes to heaven. He said unto him, A certain man had a great supper, bade many. He sent his servant at supper, supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and must needs go and see it. I pray thee to have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go prove them. I pray to have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife and I cannot come. And so the servant came and shared uh, with his, uh, showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out. Quickly, I put that in a little bracket. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And there, there's still room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and, and hedges and compel them. That word compel doesn't mean to force them, but it means to win an argument. Show them in God's word Why you need Christ as Lord and Savior. Why they need Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Compel them, using Scripture, using the Word of God. Compel them to come in. This is 
why you need to be in the Lord's house. This is why you need to be a part of the banquet. This is why you need to go to heaven when you die. And the servant said in verse 22, It is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. We need to go out quickly. Now the question is, why do we need to go out quickly? Why does it need to be an urgency? Why is there an urgency? Because there's not much time left. That's why the urgency. There's not much time. You don't know who you may be speaking with about the Lord and the gospel, and you don't know how much time they have left. I remember years ago as going to visit a, one of the hospice patients, and I was a volunteer for like 12 years, and before all the other hospices came into the area. And I remember going to a person's house to share the gospel. God put that person on my heart. And, and I said, I need to go see him. I went to see him. And the bath lady came in to give a bath. And, and she said, well, I, I can't come back. I need to give this bath. And I said this. I said, I'll come back in the morning at 9 o'clock. I left, and that was about 5 that evening. He was sitting on the side of his bed. He said, well, come in. Brother Sammy, how are you doing? He was in the best mood. I went back at 9 o'clock the next morning just to be greeted by someone at the house and said that that person had died. You don't know how often I've thought of that. Quickly. There's, you don't know how much time that person has. John 9 verse 4 says this, I must work the works of him that sent me, Jesus said, while it's day because a night cometh when no man can work. Night cometh. It gets dark. Did you know the grave is the land of darkness? You think you've been in dark. You haven't been in any darkness till you go into the grave. It's dark. The land of darkness, it's referred to. Our work cannot be done in the dark. When a person dies, when they're in the dark, our work cannot be done. Our work has to be done while it is yet day. So there's an urgency. Our work must be done now while we have the opportunity. Urgency demands that, that Christians get involved in witnessing. Let me tell you how urgent it is. 160,000 people will die in the world today. And the majority of those will be without Jesus Christ. Some of you are in that number if you were to die today. There's an urgency. In order to have the blessings of a blessed work, we have to go forth. And then secondly, we have to weep. One thing that we seem to have lost in our church today, not our church in particular, but to some degree, but in the church as a whole, is compassion. Compassion. We need tears back in our lives again. When's the last time you wept over a family member that's lost and you know they're lost? And you've literally got on your face before God and wept because that person is lost or that person has backslidden, that person's once served the Lord and now they don't serve the Lord anymore. Do you not care enough to weep? Do I not care enough to weep? I remember years ago, we attended the Methodist church at Isbell. 
And I was a little boy. And I remember when they used to call on Miss Norman James, Carl James's mother, Bobby James, all Howard and Tommy and Charles, all of them. They'd call on her to pray. She'd stand up. And, brother, let me say, sisters, let me tell you something. That woman prayed for her husband, and, and she wept and wept and wept. Norman got saved before he died. She wept for him, cried out to the Lord for him. We need tears back into our lives again. We need parents who are willing to weep for their children and children willing to weep for their parents and friends willing to weep over a friend. He that goeth forth with weeping. What's happened to our compassion? What's happened to our burden for lost people? I suggest to you today there's one reason that plays a very important role in our lack of compassion. And that is that we're just too busy. We're just too busy to have a burden, to have compassion for the lost. And I've come to realize that the great trick of the devil for this generation is busyness. Myself included. If he can just keep us busy, then we're too busy to to read His Word, too busy to pray, too busy to attend church, too busy to be involved, too busy to to learn of Christ, too busy to witness, too too busy to serve in our respected role in the church. We're just too busy. And the devil has tricked some of you with the excuse of busyness. Too busy to witness. And you're Facebooking while your family, your friends, and your neighbors are going to hell. Because you're just too busy with Facebook. That's a sermon for another time. It's going to be interesting what will be said. I'm not on Facebook. I don't have time. But I get word. Luke 41, 19, verse 41 says this, He beheld the city and he wept over it. Jesus. Ask the Lord to place a a real burden on your heart that will lead you to have compassion for lost people, your family and your friends. Start in that concentric circle of your family. And then go out from there and reach your your intermediate family and then your relatives and then your neighbors and it just keeps going out. Go at, Start there with family first and then go out and ask the Lord to place a real burden on your heart that you'll have compassion for lost people. How am I going to receive a blessing from witnessing he that goeth forth and weepeth? And number three, bearing precious seed. Now, what's this seed? Well, this seed is the Word of God. The parable of the sower. If you will turn to Mark chapter 4. I don't know, Ty, if you have this or not, but Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to call your attention to it. Mark chapter 4. And, and I'm just going to tell you the story of the parable from verses Mark 4, 3 through 20. I don't have time to, to read it all, but just 
as we're concluding, I hate not to refer to the power, the, the parable of the sower in regards to barren precious seed. First of all, you'll remember how the sower went out to sow. Those who have a desire to witness, they're the sower. You and I are the sower. And the purpose of the sower was to sow the seed. And the seed is the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Simply says, the sower soweth the Word. So the seed is the Word of God. And so when we go out to sow the seed, we don't sow about the weather. We don't sow about sports, Alabama, Auburn. We don't sow about politics, Obamacare, or any of that stuff. We're there to do business with the seed of the Word. Don't spend your time on the other. Share with them the Word. The seed is the Word of God. And now the sower, he didn't have 100% success, and we don't expect to have 100% success. Because he said some seed fell on the wayside. They had hardened their heart to the gospel. They wouldn't receive the gospel. Some fell on stony ground. Their heart was hardened to the gospel. Some fell among the thorns. Verse 18 and 19 says they were too busy. They were all wrapped up in these material things of the world. And they didn't have time to be saved. Let me tell you what, if you're so wrapped up in the world and the things of the world and you don't have time to be saved, just put a little mark in your Bible that one time you will have time to die. People that are so wrapped up in things that don't matter and lose their soul are their crown. My goodness. Think. Some fell on good grounds. Brought forth, the Bible says, brought forth fruit. Now here's the point. Two points I want to mention. Number one, not everybody who hears the gospel will trust Jesus Christ and be saved. But enough will be saved to teach us the importance of going out and witnessing. Point number two, no fruit would have been produced if the farmer had not sowed the seed. That's just good agriculture thought. If you don't sow the seed, you don't produce anything. And so unless the, the, the farmer, the, the sower, the Word of God goes out, nothing to be produced. And so in order to receive a blessing in our business, he that goeth forth, we've got to go and weepeth. We have to have compassion. And then we have to bear precious seed. That's the gospel. And I'll close with this. Shall doubtless come again rejoicing. Now here's the point. In shall doubtless come again rejoicing. Psalm 126, verse 6. There's a promise to those who invest their time in God's business of witnessing. If you want a blessing, invest your time. And God says that there will come a time that you'll return rejoicing having sowed the seed. Lives will be changed. Homes will be salvaged. Drunkards will come to know Christ. Prostitutes will come to know Christ. Drug addicts will come to know Christ. They'll become brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Christ. All because someone witnessed to someone else about being saved.
Now let me ask you this question. Who in your circle of family and friends is in need of a life-changing salvation that's found in Christ Jesus? Know of anyone? Anyone? Are you willing then to go out? Are you willing to weep? Pray over them? Weep? Are you willing to take precious seed, the Word of God, just basic Scripture, for God so loved the world, that means you, that He gave His only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever, that's you, believes in Him, Jesus shall not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life, go to heaven. That whoever, that's you, believes in Him, Jesus shall not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life, go to heaven. Just basic knowledge of the Scripture. Are you willing to bear that precious seed? Well, then God has a promise, and that is it'll pay off in changed lives. You don't see your children's life changed. You don't see if your spouse's life changed. You don't see your aunts and uncles' life changed, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors. Then share the gospel with them. The most important day of my life was 51 years ago, as an 11-year-old boy knew how, I asked Christ to forgive me and come into my life and save me. The most important work in my life was when I began to share with the others how they could be saved. Not when he called me to preach, not as a preacher, but as a layperson, when I began to share with the others how they could come to know Christ. That's our word of prayer.